We're doing this series on growing deeper and stronger in our faith. And within this series, we're, we're talking about the fact that as part of that, leading up to the day of Pentecost or Pentecost Sunday, next Sunday, we're doing a series on the Holy Spirit. Because we really believe the truth is that you cannot grow deeper and stronger in your faith if, you are, if, if not for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God working in our earth and his presence in our earth today. And so we need to engage and understand who the Holy Spirit is if we're going to be stronger and deeper in our faith. So we're going to pray and we're going to get straight into it. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you use us humans to preach your word. And I just pray that today that you would anoint what is being said let it speak into our hearts, including mine. Let it re renew our lives and refresh us and equip us for what you have ahead. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I said last week, I made a statement that, that I believe that from the narrative that we see throughout the Bible, that we serve a God who wants to fill our lives, a God who wants to be a part of every bit of our life. Even in the Old Testament, you read about how he filled things. He filled the temple. He filled the tabernacle. He filled people with the skills and abilities to do things. He, he filled people to prophesy, the Bible says, that they were, they, the Spirit of the Lord came upon them and they prophesied. And so with that in mind, I want to look a bit deeper in what it means to be filled with God. And what it looks like in our everyday lives. Now to understand this, uh, we need to go back to the reason why Jesus came to earth. Now that sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? The reason he came to earth, the reason he died on a cross, and the reason he rose again on the third day. Now we understand from the Bible that he came to rescue humankind. He came to rescue us from the, the hold of sin, on the, not just us as humans, but our world. And the, the ultimate aim was to restore us back to relationship with God. But it's really important for us to understand that having a relationship with God is not about us being mates with God. Now that might, you might go, oh, what are you talking about? It's not like we're now buddies. You know, we're co-people you know, in a relationship. This is, not, this is not what it means to have a relationship with God. Because the reality is Jesus came to restore back or restore things back to their original order. In other words, he came to restore things back to the way they were created to be from the beginning. So if we want to understand the foundation that our relationship with God is built on, it's built on this foundation. It's built on the foundation that God is the creator and we are the created. This means that he is the giver and he is the initiator of all things. And we receive from him, we are guided by him, and we are empowered by him. This is what Jesus came back to restore. Because when, we, when sin came into the world, it was because we decided we'll do things in our own strength or our own way. And so fast forward 2,000 years to when Jesus came 
Or, and he, after he died on the cross and rose again, he talked to his disciples and he said, I have to go now and my Father is now going to send to you the Holy Spirit. Well, who is the Holy Spirit? We talked about this last week. If you, if you missed it, it's on YouTube or the podcast. Have a listen. Uh, I hope you'd be blessed. But who is the Holy Spirit? Well, one of the things that he is, is he is the seal of the new covenant that we have with God. He seals our salvation. He is the one who confirms to us what God has done. The Holy Spirit is the driving force that empowers our relationship with God and ultimately empowers our lives. I've left my clicker, I think, or put it in my pocket. There you go. There it is. So last week we shared this verse, Acts 1.8, and Jesus said this, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. We talked about the day of Pentecost and what happened there was amazing. They, they were in the upper room. The wind came through the room. They had flames on their heads, what seemed like flames on their heads, and they spoke in other tongues. And people were amazed, or some were amazed. Some just thought they were drunk. But the incredible thing is that as they were filled with the Holy Spirit, what they did is they stood up and with boldness they declared the gospel. And the, as you know the story, 3,000 were added to the church that day. But sometimes we can get stuck on one experience, on that, that one experience that happens to us when God comes upon us and we go, oh, this is amazing, God's filled me, God's empowered me, this is incredible. But sometimes we live in that one space, whereas the book of Acts teaches us that God did not just do it once. Literally a couple of chapters later, he came and filled the church again with his spirit. And he continuously wants to fill our lives with him and with everything that he has for us. See, Jesus did not come just to give us an experience. Did you hear that? Jesus did not come to give us an experience. We don't just come to church to get an experience. It's not what it's about. But Jesus came to give us an unhindered relationship with God all the time. All the time. And in that unhindered relationship with God, we have access to everything that he has for us. All his strength, all his power. As he fills our lives, he fills us with his strength and his power. I shared that scripture, that prophecy that said, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And so we're going to have a deeper look at this today because... I want to look at what it looks like to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit and a daily ongoing relationship with Him. Not just an experience once every 20 years or once every two years or maybe once every few months. No, God wants to experience your life or affect your life every day. We serve a God who wants to fill us with His strength. He has given us His Holy Spirit when we, when we become Christians but he wants to continue to fill us with more and more of him as we walk with him. Paul describes it like this in, in Romans 12 too, where he says to the church, I appeal to you therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, 
which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Isn't it exciting that we no longer have to bring animal sacrifices to God? Anyone happy about that? Could you imagine this place if we had to do that? It would stink, let alone it would be messy and, dare I say, inhumane. I don't want to think about that. But isn't that incredible? But this scripture that Paul says is that he's flipped it and he says, no, you don't have to bring sacrifices any longer to God, but you actually have to bring your life, your everyday life as a living sacrifice to God. So this is not a sacrifice to, remember this, this is not a sacrifice to make us right with God. Jesus' sacrifice has done that. Once and for all, the Bible tells us. He's done it, and by putting our faith in Jesus, he has made us right with God. So this sacrifice we have to, this living sacrifice that we bring to God, is not about us being right with God, but rather it's about us acknowledging God for who he is. Acknowledging that God is the creator. He is our source. He is the one who gives us life. He is the one who has died on a cross and rose again for us and made us right with him. So he is the beginning. He is the ultimate. And that we, and when we give our lives to him, our living sacrifice to him, we're acknowledging and we're your children. We're the ones you created. We're the ones who receive your life. And in that way, we humble ourselves before God. And when we do that, he, he, he shows us his will. He shows us what he's called us to. He shows us the whole purpose of what we're, we live for. Now, this idea of sacrifice, sometimes when people talk about sacrifice, um, people go, oh, that means I have to give up something. It's a negative. Anyone agree? And we talk about sacrifice, it's a negative thing. But I don't believe what Paul is talking about is a negative thing. Uh, because when we lay our lives down as a living sacrifice to God, acknowledging who he is and that we are his children, I believe it can be a restorative, life-giving practice. Eugene Peterson explains it like this. He says, a sacrifice is an offering placed before the Lord. Why? So that he can make something of it. So we're not giving stuff up. We're actually giving it to the one who knows what to do with it. Because if we're left in charge of our lives, it's a mess. Isn't that right? But when we place our lives in God's hands and say, God, my life is yours, he then makes it into something that it's meant to be. This is why what Paul says next in the verse is so important. Because he says, what are those words that he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This world, don't be conformed to this world's way of thinking. This world says, I'm the boss. 
I'm in control of my own life. I'm the master of my destiny. I'll do what I want. No, that's not the way we should think anymore. We actually have to renew our mind with God's way of thinking. What's God say? You're my child. I'm the creator and you're my precious child. And I, I give you my Holy Spirit to empower you and strengthen you and to help you live for me. This is what, what it's all about. Now, how do we have this daily relationship with the Holy Spirit that has been given to us? It's a really long passage in Galatians. Galatians 5. But it's all about walking in the Spirit. So we're going to read it and help us understand what it looks like to walk with God in our lives. To how to walk in the Spirit. How to daily walk with God's strength and enabling and power. And so Paul says here, But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. But these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if, but if you are led by the Spirit... You are no longer under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger and rivalries. Oh, there's even more. Dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies and things like these. And I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified their flesh with, their, with its passions and desires. And then he makes this statement, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit now the christian walk or the christian faith is often described as a walk and maybe it's because of this passage i don't know but the incredible thing about this walk is it's not a solo walk it's not a walk that we do alone but rather as christians god has given us the holy spirit to walk with us and not just to walk with us that we get to walk with him and we get to discover the life that he has for us when we walk with him as i said verse 25 sums it up perfectly since we live by the spirit let us keep in step with the spirit now paul combines right in this in this verse he combines a statement of truth we live by the spirit with a command for us to keep in step with the Spirit. Now, when he talks about we live, that, com that statement of truth is that because of what God has done for us, we live in the Spirit. That when we accept him as our Lord and Savior, when we, we invite him into our life and accept that Jesus is the Son of God, we become Christians and he gives us his Spirit. So he gives us, the, if you read earlier in the 
in the chapter 5 of Galatians, he talks about he's given us freedom in Christ. So this freedom is not to do what we, whatever we want. It's the freedom to love each other as basically as Christ has loved us. And, and so he, he's given us this life in the Spirit that we, there's no barrier between us and God anymore that we can walk in the Spirit. God is available to us 24-7. Like I said earlier, we don't have to do animal sacrifices anymore. We, we don't have to come once or twice a year or however often. We have God available to us every day, every moment. We sang it, every moment, every minute, every hour. That's the truth. God is with us. God is here amongst us all the time. There's nothing hindering God and us. Isn't that incredible? This is, this is what it means that we live by the Spirit, that God is always with us, that the Holy Spirit is God at work in our world and God at work in our lives, and it is freely given to us. We have freedom because of it. This, this is the abundant life that Jesus talks about when he was here on earth, that, that we would have all the resources of heaven available to us this is what the bible describes as our inheritance a relationship with god an unhindered unfettered relationship with god this is our inheritance that he would make us children of god that he would make us heirs with christ this is what god has given to us this incredible thing since we live by the spirit what does that mean live by the spirit that we have everything that god wants us to have that he has given us salvation, he has given us um, freedom, he has given us sanctification, he has given us all these things. He has made the whole resource of heaven, heaven available to us. Incredible? That sounds pretty incredible to me. But then the second part of this, the phrase or the verse says, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So this part expresses our responsibility. So since we've been given all of this, then what are we meant to do? What do we, how do we then respond? Well, our response should be to keep in step with the Spirit. In other words, that we would do everything we can to protect this amazing freedom that God has given us. So as, as it says earlier, you, you don't, God hasn't set us free so we can do whatever we want. But God hasn't set us free as well to do anything for our own benefit. Because if you look at that full list of things, it's a long list, but in there, there's also things like idolatry, which as Christians we go, oh, I only serve God, I only serve God. But in some situations, sometimes we fall into the trap of making idols of the things of God rather than God himself. Things like church buildings, things like church programs, that we end up finding ourselves worshipping them rather than worshipping God as himself. And so this is the thing we, that we have to protect and walk in step with the Spirit. And when we, as we make the Spirit our aim and our goal, then it helps us stay on the right path. And we must do everything in our strength to do that. The only way this is possible is by laying our lives down as a living sacrifice and asking the Holy Spirit to fill us, to lead us, to guide us so that we can walk together through life.
So how do we walk in the Spirit? Number one, it's very simple. Get to know your walking partner. Actually take the time to find out who the Holy Spirit is. Now, this may sound simplistic, but the truth is, and I, I talk about myself just as much as anyone else here, that many of us have a distorted image of who the Holy Spirit is. Maybe for some of us, because of our life experiences, and, that, and I'll say this for myself, I grew up in a church where it was all about your experiences. The, the, the moments where God filled you and something incredible happened. And it was all about that. And so you'd live for one experience to the next. I've got to get back to church this Sunday or youth group this Sunday because I want to have an experience of God without realizing that's available to me every day. It's not a once-off. It doesn't have to happen in church. It can happen in my bedroom. It can happen in my car. It can happen anywhere. God can reveal himself to us. And maybe some of you uh, have been in places where you, you might think that the Holy Spirit is this some weird, spooky sort of ghosty thing, the Holy Ghost, and that he's going to make you do things out of your control. Anyone have that feeling? Oh, he's going to make me speak in weird languages or going to make me do weird stuff like maybe i'll fall over and laugh or do some crazy gear but we must understand that when god fills us it's only for our benefit when he filled the early church it wasn't so they would speak in tongues for their own benefit it was so they'd speak in tongues to declare the glory of god to those around them so they would go god is real what must I do to be saved? So God will only fill you with what will benefit yourself and others. That will bring blessing, not cursing. He's not going to force you to do anything that's not right or not you're not comfortable with. But when we open our lives to him, he fills us with his presence. And when that happens, anything is possible. The Bible teaches us clearly that the Holy Spirit is God. I said this last week. So anything that God is, the Holy Spirit is. So if God is love, the Holy Spirit is love. Isn't that right? If God is omniscient, the Holy Spirit is omniscient. All of these things. So don't get confused by your life experience to the truth of who the Holy Spirit is. The Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit has been sent to be our helper our comforter, our advocate, the convictor of sin in our life, and ultimately the revealer of truth to us. This is who the Holy Spirit is. And the best way you can get to know your walking partner is through prayer and through the Word of God. You don't get it anywhere else. You don't get it from a book. You get it from the Word of God. And if you do read a book about the Holy Spirit, make sure there's lots of Word of God in that book. Not just people's experiences, but the word, what the Word of God says. Now, a really interesting thing, because we, we receive the Holy Spirit and we get to know the Holy Spirit through prayer and through the, God's Word. Now, throughout God's Word, there, there's all sorts of prayer but especially in the Psalms, and the Psalms are a great example of prayer 
that reveal to us God's nature and character. So that if you read the Psalms, they're actually written as prayers. And so when you read them, it reveals to us this amazing truth that God is creator and we are the created. And if we want to know what God's like in our prayers, then the Psalms show us the great ability of prayer to reveal to us God. So I want to share with you one of these Psalms today. <coughs> Psalm chapter 8, um, where it says, O Lord, O Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. You have taught children and infants to tell of your strength, silencing your enemies and all who oppose you. When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place. And then he says these words. Remember he's praying. He says, what are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. Yet you made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honour. You gave them charge over everything you made, putting all things under their authority, the flocks and the herds and all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, and everything that swims the ocean's currents. O Lord, O Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. God the Holy Spirit fills absolutely everything. Heaven and earth and ev everything in between. And this is the incredible thing that this, this psalm reveals to us about our God. The God who created everything. Who set everything in place. This God, this psalm tells us, cares about you and me. Isn't that incredible? That he cares about us. That he is interested in us. But he doesn't stop there. He then tells us that he, wants, he crowns us with glory and honour. He gives us purpose and direction to, to look after the animals and to do all of that stuff. And, but he doesn't just care about us, he crowns us. This is a, the incredible thing of who our God is. That our God, if you think about our God and who he is, he didn't rescue us from sin to make us slaves but he rescued us from sin to make us sons and daughters that's that's a there's a big difference when we talk about he is the creator and we are the created we could almost think oh then we're just lowly nobodies that we just have to do whatever god tells us and that's all there is to it we we don't have any say no he, he makes it really clear that no, I haven't called you to be a slave or a robot. I've called you to be my child. Called you to be my sons and daughters. I've crowned you with honour and glory. And so this is really, really important for us to understand that God wants to walk with us and it's our responsibility to walk with him but he wants to, us to do it as like he is the parent and we are the child. And the parent wants nothing else but the best for their child. The second thing we learn about 
how how to walk with the Holy Spirit is that you have to let your walking partner lead. Because once we establish who the Holy Spirit is in our lives, then it makes sense that you let him take the lead. Isn't that right? He's the one who's made us just a little bit lower than him. He's the one who's given us all this stuff. And so it makes sense that as his children, we follow him. That we don't say, well, I'll take charge now. Maybe some households do that, but it doesn't work out very well. But uh, the fact is, it's our job to keep in step with the Spirit, and it's his job to lead us. Now, the picture of that in, in God's Word is literally one of military-type proportions. It's about soldiers who are marching in time. They're marching together. Anyone seen that? Anyone watch Private Benjamin? That showed my age years ago. It's a, when they, yeah, they teach you, they're t- learning how to march and they can't keep in step and it's all crazy. That sort of thing. But when you learn to keep in step, it brings great benefit to your life. And so what the Bible is saying is when it says, let us keep in step with the Spirit, it's saying basically... Give it all your full attention. Give it your full focus. Like soldiers marching together in a battalion or whatever you call it, they have to be in sync with one another. But to do that, it doesn't come easy to start with, but you've got to learn to... <laughs> Thanks, Jackie. That's all right. Gave me a time to have a drink. But the reality is, when soldiers learn to march, the reason they do that is march in time together. It, it means that when they're all in sync, they actually get places faster. That's the reason they did it. They're, they're not everyone just struggling at their own pace. They don't get it, but let's all march in sync and we'll get to where we need to go quicker. And this is the reality of, of what it's talking about, walking in the Spirit, that for us as Christians that we give it our whole attention that it brings benefit to our life it it brings it opens the resource of heaven to our life it makes the resource of heaven evident in our life now in our passage if you remember back it says when we walk in the spirit what does it say we produce the fruits of the spirit so if you want to see the fruit of the spirit in your life we we receive it when we keep in step with God, when we walk in step with God, when we put all our full attention on keeping in step with God, when we put all our determination in keeping in step with God, with the Holy Spirit. It's not just something we do occasionally, but it's something we should place in every part of our lives. Because the incredible benefit of it is the fruits of the Spirit. And you read those, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Who doesn't want any of them in their life? You're telling me you don't want joy in your life? You're telling me you don't want self-control in your life? Come on. Yeah, we need self-control, Cooper. We certainly do. How do we get it? By keeping in step with the Spirit. By making the Spirit our aim. Our goal, our, our giving out the Spirit our full attention. 
How did, how did Paul describe it? By laying your life down as a living sacrifice to God. The only way we will ever love others the way God loves us is by laying our lives down for God. By acknowledging God is the Lord and creator of all. And that he gives us our life and, and allow him to f- and invite him to fill us with his Holy Spirit every day. When he does, he fulfills his promise to empower our lives and he gives us the fruits of the Spirit. If you want to see these things evident in your life, the only way it can happen is by walking in the Spirit, by letting the Holy Spirit take the lead. Now, is that some weird sort of thing? Well, as I go out the door this morning, Holy Spirit, do you want me to turn left or right? It's not that sort of gear. We live life, but in everything we do, we acknowledge that we are children of God, that he is our Lord, he is our creator, and that we, in whatever way possible, that he would lead and guide us. Let me finish with this scripture in Galatians 4, because I think it sums this whole idea up really perfectly. It says, let me share this, oh, that's the wrong bit. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law. So that, why? So that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts prompting us to call out Abba Father or Dear Father or Dear Dad now you are no longer a slave but God's own child and since you are his child God has made you his heir we are now God's children And because we are God's children, everything he has is ours. The thing that we must understand and remember as his children is our position. Yes, he has given us everything. He he has made available to us his presence all the time. His presence is available to us all the time, which is amazing. It's incredible. This is this is such a gift that we could access, have access to God's presence all the time as his children. But at the same time, we must remember as his children that he is our father. He is our parent. That he is the creator and we are the created. And so we acknowledge that he is God and so I will only do what will honour him. I will only live to honour him as his child. You know, I read a, or Julie read a scripture to me this week and we're talking about it and it's the story of Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus. Anyone read that story? Where Jesus heals blind Bartimaeus. And in there, it just says one little interesting statement. It says, uh, his name was Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. So Bar means son. And so his whole life, he lived as 
son of Timaeus. Everyone knew him as, oh, there's Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. And so his whole identity was based in who his father was. Now in Jewish culture, it also meant that he possessed everything his father possessed. Everything his father had was now his. But at the same time, he was happy to take his father's name on or to be known as the son of Timaeus because it reminded of him and grounded him to where he belonged. And I think this is really important lesson for us to learn because humility is the greatest way we can receive God's grace and help. And humility tells us that we are God's children. Yes, that's true. But the fact is humility also tells us that without God, we're nothing. Without God, we're just dust. And this is what God wants us to continually remember. That's why he says, bring your lives as a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Because every time you do, you're saying, God, you are Lord. You are boss. You are the one who's in control. I'm your child. And I'll try my best to keep in step with you. I'll make it my aim and my goal to do that. You know, the exciting thing is that when we do this, we discover that the Holy Spirit will fill and use us like we could never imagine or believe. When we humble ourselves, the Bible says God gives grace to the humble. God gives grace to the humble. He gives favour to the humble. The greatest thing we can do in our walk with God is to continually humble ourselves and say, God, it's not about me, it's all about you. I want to live for you. I want to live with you in my life. I will ask you today, I'll leave you with this question and then we're going to just sing this song and take a moment to connect and, and I guess in some ways surrender ourselves to God again, humble ourselves again and acknowledge Him and allow Him to fill us afresh. But my question to you today is, will you give your life as a sacrifice to the Holy Spirit every day? so that he can fill it and make something of it. Church, will we give our life to the Holy Spirit every day as a sacrifice so that he could fill it and make something of it? Why don't we bow our heads in prayer? In a moment we're going to sing this song and I'd ask you to as you feel comfortable to maybe make it a prayer to say Holy Spirit I humble myself before you surrender my life to you so that you might fill it so that would be what you've called it to be and I just pray today Lord God that every heart that opens to you today that you would come and touch that you would come and fill, 
that you would come and renew relationship in, pla- in this place today. That you would bring strength to people who are facing massive obstacles today and difficulties, that you would come and fill them with your spirit and bring strength to their life. Empower them, Lord God, to live for you. I pray that you would produce fruit even today, Lord God. The fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and self-control and everything else. That it would bring a great harvest today of your goodness in people's lives. In Jesus' name, amen.